Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, I'm Matt Ford, and welcome to a podcast version of Unspun, which has just started its second series on David's topical political comedy and chat show. And this edition features the very latest from the Stoke and Copeland by-election, including um, The Wonderful Life of Paul Nuttall and an interview with the leader of the Liberal Democrats, Tim Farron. You can watch the show every Wednesday at 10pm on Dave, and you can also catch up online using UK TV Play. Welcome to Unspun, the show that makes sense of the madness engulfing global politics. And it's been another incredible week. Labour MP Tom Watson was criticised for performing a dab during Prime Minister's questions. For those of you not as cool as Tom, dabbing is a move most associated with American football quarterback Cam Newton to celebrate a touchdown. There he's doing it there. So we all look forward to Cam Newton returning the favour by celebrating his next touchdown with an allegation of historic sexual abuse against someone who's not alive to defend themselves. <laughs> Michael Gove was interviewed by a Christian website where he talked about his faith and described himself as a sinner. We don't know yet if he's going to heaven or hell, but both the devil and God are preparing for a leadership challenge. <laughs> Later in the show, I'll be revealing the identity of an internet troll from inside the House of Commons, and I'll be asking the leader of the Liberal Democrats, Tim Farron, why he wants to overturn the will of the people. And as always, I'm joined by my house band of real MPs. They're the sultans of the swingometer. It's MP4! Fellas, <laughs> welcome back. Thank you. It's good to, to see you all again. Obviously, the big defining issue at the moment is Brexit, and the most controversial aspect of that has been the triggering of Article 50 uh, in the Commons. Kev, you defied the Labour whip. I did. Mm. That is right. I and... had my letter. <laughs> and what did it say? It said, you're a very naughty boy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it's from Jeremy Corbyn? <laughs> Pete, you must have mixed feelings about this, because you campaigned for Britain to stay in the EU, but... Britain leaving potentially makes a second Scottish independence referendum more likely. Great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, thanks very much. There were two massive by-elections last week, both Labour seats they were expected to hold. So, firstly, what happened in the Lake District constituency of Copeland? Snatching catastrophe from the jaws of defeat... Jeremy Corbyn has resisted the growing clamour for him to step down after Labour's humiliating result in Copeland an area it has held for decades. Labour lost a seat they'd held for over 80 years. Their leader, Jeremy Corbyn, tried to explain the defeat on Facebook, saying this. The political establishment has let down Copeland. So, if the establishment had let Copeland down, who did they elect? What radical new punk movement has torn down the citadel and stuck it to the man? 
The Conservatives beat Labour in a seat it had held for more than 80 years. Yeah, the Tory party. <laughs> Some of them are so anti-establishment, they drink red wine with fish. <laughs> it was an incredible result for the Tories. Copeland has been a Labour seat since 1935. 1935, the year swing was invented. Adolf Hitler was leading Germany. Greg got his first drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> Between then and now, one thing has been certain in Copeland, they had a Labour MP. So how the hell did they lose it? It might have something to do with the Sellafield nuclear power plant, employing over 10,000 people in the constituency. It does make it tricky for a candidate when your leader has said things like this. There's nothing cheap, nothing clean, nothing, subs no nothing you can call subsistence um, or sustainable about nuclear power stations and the nuclear power industry. That's why I say no nuclear power, decommission the stations we've got, and let's have an intelligent energy policy based on sustainability, not destruction. Not destruction, unless it's the Labour Party. <laughs> not ideal in Copeland. It's a bit like going to Ireland and campaigning against Guinness. <laughs> Labour tried to distract from that by focusing on government plans to close down a local maternity ward. It's very difficult to make a mess out of that. You're the party which founded the NHS. Campaigning against Tory hospital cuts in a seat you've sailed since the year paperbacks were invented. So what was Labour's carefully honed message on the NHS? Let's have a look at their leaflet. The NHS is not safe in Tory hands. Babies will die. <laughs> Who was their campaign manager? King Herod. <laughs> in 1983, when Labour won the seat, their slogan was a new hope for Britain. In 2017, it's babies will die. <laughs> They basically said to the electorate, what do you prefer, Jeremy Corbyn or dead babies? And they chose dead babies. <laughs> so, after a catastrophic defeat, surely the famously anti-nuclear party leader took his share of the blame. Have you, at any point this morning, looked in the mirror and asked yourself this question, could the problem actually be me? No. <laughs> Don't look like a man who owns a mirror. Central have been dubbed the Brexit capital of Britain, which delighted the locals after missing out on capital of culture. <laughs> UKIP's leader, Paul Nuttall, threw his hat into the ring. A brave move, as he was only wearing it to cover his boldness. <laughs> UKIP have come a long way since their early days and they're buoyed by Brexit. With a fresh new leader, they were going to give Labour the thrashing of a lifetime. Firstly, they had a local candidate. Yeah, not only is Stoke obsessed with Brexit, Paul Nuttall actually lives there. Channel 4's Michael Crick spoke to Stoke lad Paul Nuttall about his local roots. It says on your nomination form yes. that you're living at 65 Oxford Street. Yes, and I will be. I'm not now. You're not but now. I will be. No, at the present moment in time, but I will be. I'll be going in there and I'll be here for the rest of the campaign. What are you going to do if somebody makes a complaint? About what? what about about, what? Your, about your false declaration. There's no false declaration, sir. It is, because it's not your home. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. Ah! <laughs> To be fair to Paul, he has had it harder than most, though. He lost close personal friends at Hillsborough. It says so on his own website. He also talked about it in this emotional radio interview. It's on your own website, Paul. Well, that, that, that is absolutely... I'm sorry, that's... I haven't lost anyone who was a close personal friend. There's people who... 
and you through that's football and things like that. Yeah, yeah, but he, he's a proper football man, right? I mean, look at his leaflet. It says he was a professional footballer. <laughs> he was a professional footballer with Tranmere Rovers. I played for five years for Tranmere Rovers as a schoolboy and a youth team player. I've never claimed that I've been a professional. It was one press release in 2010 put out by a press officer who knows nothing about football. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't have time to be a professional, did he? he? He was too busy with academia studying to be a doctor, wasn't he? Do you have a PhD from Liverpool Hope University? No, and I've never claimed I've got a PhD. It's and, on and, your website. It's not on my website, it's on a LinkedIn page. <laughs> yeah, you, but you lot tried juggling a PhD, a house move, an awful personal tragedy, leading a political party, having to play two games and three training sessions a week. <laughs> Sadly, the people of Stoke didn't realise how lucky they were to have this latter-day renaissance man. <laughs> they chose to vote Labour instead. <laughs> Labour fends off UKIP challenge to hold Stoke-on-Trent Central in by-election. What smooth-as-silk career politician did Labour deploy? Who was this secret weapon? Gareth Snell. <laughs> a man best known for a string of abusive tweets. He referred to a specky blonde girl on The Apprentice as <laughs> annoying and told her to piss off. After being advised it didn't look particularly statesmanlike, he apologised to the women in his family. I've apologised to my, to my wife and my grandmother and my daughter because those aren't words that I would like them to have to face. Apologising to his gran must have been a nightmare. <laughs> Hello, gran, it's Gareth. Gareth! No, not Darren, Gareth! No, I just, I just want to say sorry about, about what I said about the ladies on the telly. I told her to piss off. <laughs> to piss off! <laughs> no, not you, you deaf old bat. Oh, no, I'm sorry about that as well. <laughs> Even though they won in Stoke, Labour's vote share fell, applying more pressure to Jeremy Corbyn, who eventually accepted some responsibility. The result in Copeland was deeply disappointing, and, of course, I take my share of responsibility for it. My share, which is 5%. <laughs> it's been an awful week for Labour, but at least in Gareth Snell, Stoke has an MP who has lived in the city all his life. Look at this tweet from 2014. I have no idea how it goes in Stoke. I don't live there. <laughs> cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. He's a rap-loving former pop star and the leader of the Liberal Democrats. Please welcome Tim Farron. Everybody needs a tune. Thanks, guys. Because uh... <laughs> you're a fan of rap these days. Well, I mean, I listen to a bit of it. I listen to um, 
uh, the, uh, the, the first NWA uh, album, uh, Straight Outta Compton, uh, last May, I think, for a... Uh, uh, for a, a website called the Ram Album Club, some of you will have heard of, and the idea is they get people who are moderately well-known uh, to listen to <laughs> albums, who claim to be music nuts, who, to listen to classic albums that they'd not listened to before. And I had never listened to uh, Stray Out Compton, uh, which is outrageous. I mean, I've listened to, you know, Three Feet High and Rising and lots of other good albums, but I'd never listened to NWA, and it was jolly entertaining, I can tell you. <laughs> I learned... I learned... I learned some new words. Uh, and uh, and I'm all of that. say them all for us now. <laughs> I am. Are you ready? Jolly entertaining. It's a, it's a thoroughly British review of Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> now, you not only listen to rap, you have performed it. Uh, some people may remember this during the oh, yeah. EU referendum campaign. Uh, Tim performed the John Barnes rap I did. from New Order, and we've got a video of it here. Brilliant. I knew, I knew knowing all the words that John Barnes rap would sometime come in useful, although this was the day before the referendum. It is quite possible that we are now heading out of the European Union because of that. <laughs> in terms of politics, obviously, big time at the moment in, in, in domestic politics with the two by-elections. Uh, the Lib Dems share the vote went up in, in Copeland, 3.8%, uh, but the Tories went up by eight and a half. I mean, a lot of people would, would look at Copeland and say, actually, that's the seat that the Lib Dems should be challenging for. Why do you... Why do you think that happened? We came from fourth to third, which is, you know, uh, it's a good away point, isn't it? It's, I, mean, I think both Copeland and Stoke were places where there were two horses in the race and we weren't either horse. UKIP Labour, Tories Labour, uh, Stoke and Copeland. Um, but you want to win by-elections. I mean, you know, we, dis we discussed it earlier on about, you know, Jeremy Corbyn's position to lead the Labour Party. I may only lead nine MPs, but unlike Jeremy Corbyn, I do actually want to win elections. Because um, I think you let, you let all the people that you want to serve down if you deliberately make yourself utterly unelectable. So, yeah, it was a decent night's work. We got, like I say, two away points in two difficult by-elections. Actually, I want to win. So how do you get yourself into a winning position in places like Copeland? Well, in the end, you've got to put yourself in a place where you are relevant to the story. And, I, I, I mean, we did something, I did something that David Cameron did not do before the referendum, and that is to make a small plan as to what might happen if it went wrong. Um, and, and it wasn't rocket science, it was just recognising that my job was to, with all authenticity, uh, go on the media and reflect the anguish that those people who'd voted Remain would feel. And I, I believe that completely. I feel that some of my identity has been robbed of me every single day. I'm proud to be a northerner, Englishman, British and European, and I resent having part of my identity being stolen from me. And so I, I take the view it is my job now to put the Liberal Democrats in a place where we speak not just for those people who void Remain, but those people who feel Theresa May is twisting the result and turning it into an extreme version of Brexit that was never on the ballot paper. Well, you've made a, you've made a, a sort of big play of being the voice of the 48%. Uh, in the way that the, that the SNP were the, were the voice of the 45% after the referendum. Um, is there anything you can learn from 
I was going to say from Pete Wishart specifically, but you, you, you're even more foul-mouthed yes. than NWA. Um, <laughs> that's what, that's what I've heard. <laughs> but, Pete, do you think the Lib Dems can, can replicate the success of UKIP by owning the idea of the losing side of a referendum? Well, what's curious in our situation is we lost a referendum, but we've sub subsequently won successive elections by representing the 45% of Scots who wanted to, wanted to secure independence. And I look at what Tim's doing with the Liberals, and, you know, they're making that pitch exactly for those that were Remainers. And what surprises me is the way that Labour have ceded all that ground and left it open for, for Tim to make that type of progress. So the potential's there um, for, you, for you to do that. But you, as you say, it's about more than just Remain. Mm. It must be quite frustrating for you seeing Labour implode, but only having nine MPs. And really, that can't be rectified until you have a general election. Um, but you're kind of... The, the fact that you're not getting the coverage that perhaps you feel you deserve is because you've only got nine MPs. How do you break it's, that it's cycle? Circular, absolutely. So, I mean, to be fair to Pete and to the SNP, there's loads you could learn from... Well, I'm, I'm somebody who admires winners, actually. I actually admire Blair for what it's worth, and we'll perhaps more of him uh, later on, because if you can win and defeat the Tories, you can make a difference. What you do with power is then up to you. Let's remember the SNP two years ago had six MPs, uh, and they have, what, 56 now, is that right? Yeah, and, uh, and are in control in, in Scotland. So your target and, is 59 and, MPs. Uh, we'll, we'll do... Uh, <laughs> we'll, 326, I think we need, isn't it, to actually run the country. Um, you know, but there are all sorts of things out there that should give you hope. First of all, we're clearly in really peculiar times at the moment. It feels like almost anything can happen, so why should we assume only the worst could happen? Why shouldn't we assume that the best could happen? And, you know, so my uh, comrades, you know, um, Justin Trudeau in Canada, leader of the Liberal Party, they were in third place, going nowhere two and a bit years ago. They saw a right-wing Tory government, they saw a frankly lumpen and useless Labour opposition, they thought, stuff what's possible, let's do what's necessary. They let frog them both, and he is now, in reality, the leader of the free world, so let's see if we can't have a bit of that. You'd like a second referendum. Do you think that a second referendum would, would actually destroy some faith in politics? No, I mean, I think the idea that democracy is just a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and once it's happened, you have to settle with whatever it is that's agreed, I think that's utterly wrong. I mean, if that was the case, you know, you'd never find a, fight a second election ever. Um, and my, my take on all this is that you've got to do two things. As a Liberal, I guess I've got used to two things in my life. One is, sometimes you lose. Uh, and the second is... Never, ever, ever flame and give up. You keep going. If you believe, if I believe on the 23rd of June that Britain was better at the centre of Europe, leading from within Europe and not whinging from the outside, why should I change my views just because I lost an election? But there is a danger, isn't there? It, this idea that if it's seen as the so-called establishment saying to the people, look, you got it wrong, why don't you have another think about it? and give us the result that we want. There, there might actually be violent reactions against that. There, is a, there's a, there, is a, there yeah. are potential um, so think, risks to this. I think if Parliament or courts uh, seek to frustrate the will of the people, that is bang out of order. Not only would it be anti-democratic, it'd also be totally counterproductive. However, saying to the British people, the deal that we get at the end of this process, that Theresa May will come back with, she doesn't know what it looks like. How can we be supposed to know what it looks like at the end? It seems that somebody's going to sign off that deal. Either it's going to be politicians or it should be the people. What's undemocratic about us saying it should be the people? Um, I'm sure what you, says, what you say resonates with a lot of people. I can see Greg getting more and more frustrated <laughs> behind his drum kit. Greg, the idea of a second referendum to you, is, is that something you'd be open to? It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and if I was Tim, I'd be worried about my party's poll ratings. I mean, don't you agree, Tim, your party's poll ratings are only impressive if measured on the Richter scale. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. 
Fight. He's a yeah, yeah, yeah. rapper, mate. You watch yeah, yeah, him yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, they're five points higher than they were. And, you know, we've gained more council by-elections than anybody else in the last sort of uh, eight to ten months. And, it, you know, our membership has doubled at this trajectory. We will overtake the Tory party by Christmas next year um, in terms of membership. So, I mean, it feels to me like we've made a bold and risky decision, but a principled one. The one thing you don't want to be is what Labour have become, and that is neither fish nor fowl. Um, be in a position where you stick by your principles... Well, ..have the courage... Yeah, yeah absolutely. Good point, yeah. We are, well, we're, we're, we're asparagus. We're asparagus. And proud. <laughs> asparagus does have side effects, though. Is that right? <laughs> can be quite nasty. Um, as, well as, as well as rapid, you've, you've performed various functions prior to leadership uh, in the Liberal Democrats. I had, at the last election, when Nick Clegg was the leader and he was preparing for the TV debates, that you played Nigel Farage... I did. Behind the scenes. And he said it was scarily accurate. Uh, I don't think I sound anything like him, so I didn't try and do an actual impression of him, but you had to try and get inside his head, really. Um, and, uh, uh, and just become, basically, a bit of a borderline fascist. And, uh, <laughs> um, that... that um, obviously... For balance... I'll leave it, I'll leave it to your lawyers to decide yeah, what you're going to do balance, with that one. We should say, <laughs> for balance, we should say that a lot of people uh, think uh, Nigel Farage isn't a borderline fascist, that he's an outright fascist, <laughs> so we should, we, should, we should make that it's clear. clear that up in here. <laughs> but the thing is, I mean, so I, I remember doing um, one of these practice sessions, and yeah. I, I, so Nick lent me a couple of his press officers, and we went and prepped properly. I took it dead seriously. And, and Nick was sort of, at the end of one of them, sort of sweating, going, how will I deal with all these stats Tim's come up with? And I said, don't, don't worry... I just made them all up. That's <laughs> all he will do. That's all he will do. And, of course, a few months later, 350 million quid on the side of a bus. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd actually had to do... No, 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 hold on. Let's be absolutely clear. <laughs> there was none of the... None of that. I can't, I can't do that. Not smoking fags and drinking real loud, sort of... Get no, deep no, just, the... just imbibing reactionary viewpoints. That's all <laughs> I did. <laughs> and spewing them out. <laughs> liberally. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Farron! <laughs> That's all we've got time for this week. There's just time for me to thank my guest, Tim Farron. And as always, here to play us out, it's the cross-party mayhem of MP4. <laughs> There you go. Tim Farron, leader of the Liberal Democrats and part-time rapper, uh, joining us on Spun. Uh, every week we'll have a new political guest and you can watch the show at 10pm every Wednesday on Dave and you can catch up using UK TV Play. <laughs>